Hey, Nora. You're not doing sex in the city. I was like, this time I was like, do not do sex in the city. And I finally got it. I may go back, but I think I'm in the right era of New York now. Love that. Yes, we are here. We are in the 60s. I am so excited to talk about season one, episode eight, The Hobo Code. This was a really fun episode. And I haven't asked her recently, but fun fact, I believe this is my mom's favorite episode of Mad Men. I remember you telling me that. I really, she loves the story about the hobo code. And actually watching it this time, I was like, there's a lot there. There's a lot that's interesting to Don, Don's overall story in that story that I never thought of before. So, yeah. And also, as you mentioned before, we started recording a lot of really juicy gossip, a lot of so really good, much like, juice, uh, good outfits, good bitchy Joan looks. It's just, there's so much to dig into. It's a rich text. One of my friends likes to say Juicy G in reference to gossip. So there's a lot yeah. of Juicy G in this a episode. A lot of Juicy G in this episode. Ready two, to go. Two things I want to put yeah. on the table. One, Ooh. I'm getting over a cold. Well, this is a, like personal oh, stuff. So I just, I also, feel like my, <laughs> it's like, kind of more God. of an ew, you know? Yeah, ew. Um, so I just feel like I may sound different, but every time I brought that up to people, they were like, no, you don't. But now that you say that, but that doesn't I matter. Actually, forgot you had a cold until you said that but i appreciate you warning the listeners warning the listeners no. this is soapy um Sophie's just- not doing a voice <laughs> she just has her nose clogged as we all do during the fall season i also have to admit that i did not do my homework but i did other homework so that's good but i did not try vodka and milk oh that's right it's okay it's gonna take some time to ease into it and i have a not equally disgusting drink but a weird drink that i'm having in your stead so we can go every other i have a plum sake whiskey that sounds that I great bought yesterday it's actually really good i was a little worried i was like is this gonna be good is it gonna be gross and it actually ended up good so next time or the time after you can come with your crazy drink story maybe this can be a thing where we try a weird drink every couple well, of times i was supposed to try it in reference to last episode when Roger just pours vodka in the milk um, oh, uh, at boy. his desk, I think, which is like, why do you have milk at work? But I think my problem yeah. is I don't like usually drink regular milk. Like I'm an almond milk gal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could try probably vodka and almond milk, but that's not what Roger Sterling would do. You, anyway, you know, what's going to happen is someone is going to come into the bar where you work and it's going to order it. And you're going to go what? And you're going to give it to them and you have your mind blown. I was hoping that our bar, that where I bartend part-time has milk, but we just have creamer and that goes Uh, back to the whole like white Russian thing, but yeah, whatever. a little bit cheating. I digress. (laughs) I'm sad because I really, in that moment, I was thinking I can let this lay low as like a slow burn joke where I order one next time I see you at the bar, (laughs) but it's okay. I, I like that drinking. So, well, we'll say. let's dive in. Enough about alcohol, but yours Enough sounds about delicious. alcohol, now on to some sex. Yeah, so. so this episode, I will say, starts and stops in a very strange and not very well done way, if I may say so myself. That's my criticism. Go on. <laughs> Matthew Weiner. How um, so? Well, we'll get to the ending later. I just feel like, okay, let me, let me tr- backtrack. Like, this scene in the elevator is just yet again another unhealthy dose of 60s racism and sexism, all the isms, you know? I definitely agree about the... It's. I find it both interesting and a little bit frustratingly pointed, even though that may just be how it was then. 
I guess I will say what I really liked about this episode is that we are in like with Pete and Peggy for a really long time. Like we get to sit with them, which is something yeah. I did enjoy, but basically yeah. we're started like where Pete and Peggy show up to work early. They are in an elevator. Um, the elevator, I, I forget like how you refer to people who run elevators because that used the to be a job. Yes. Elevator yeah. operator. Um, yeah. Says that basically like the, the quote unquote service elevator is down. So yeah. we're like blending you know, th- I guess like the elevators are like segregated maybe by race, but mostly also by profession. This is going to be very naive of me. And I, for the listeners, I know I did not think of this before or whatever, but it just strikes me like not only is it terribly racist, just how stupid and like cost and effective it is i guess because they have to have two elevators for two groups of people that just is so stupid i know it's all stupid but in the scene i was thinking about oh there's a whole other set of elevators that could break and then the other people have to either take the elevator or take the stairs that's really stupid i know it's all stupid but for some reason in this scene Every, yeah it, it all feels really me. weird <laughs> it hit me um, um i want to back up and say please. what's your opinion on peggy's outfit i completely I hate this outfit so much. Right? I hate it, I, hate it, hate it, hate she's it. it. <laughs> feeling herself in it. You can, you, I feel like you can see a little bit of the baby weight, a tiny bit in this. She's feeling herself in it, but, and I like the color combo, but I hate everything else about it. No, I And it's weird like, that she gets some in this outfit. Sorry. It's one of the grossest outfits ever in the show, in my opinion. <laughs> I'll go there. Um, oh, no. I also, I mean, we're going to get there, but. I started questioning the pregnancy tangents we went on in yeah. the last episode, because as we know, like she gets some in this episode. So I'm like, does she start becoming pregnant after this instead in, of like prior sex scenes? In my mind, she wouldn't given the timing because True. this is summer. And I believe she gives birth in like November, December ish. So the timing would work out. And I thought they were also pointed. I get why you're saying that, but because right after that, I, I hope they, they don't because it'd be really sloppy to be next, say next episode. Oh, she's getting fat. Like right after she had sex, which seems a little bit blatant, True. but if that it's would seated be before, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. thought they made a point of it that Peggy had sex the same day she started the pills and that's yes. not long enough for them to work. Because Very if she's still point. on them, they should work. Very good point. Well, this is taking up too much of my brain space in, no, pa- in the past. As usual, we are jumping ahead. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, they're both at the office alone early, which I wrote yikes about. Um, Pete has been talking to Peggy about moving in with Trudy. And in, in the elevator scene, actually, he yeah. says uh, a thing like that, which you pointed out. And I find I it to wrote, be really annoying. I wrote a thing like that angry style because he's just like pissed and looks off and goes a thing like that so he says it in so many different ways i want the i thing like that real um it was weird i also loved that peggy pete asked peggy while she's there what's don up to that you have to come early and she says i'm coming in for myself and i was Mm -hmm. like yeah you go (laughs) you come in for your own damn account i mean don's gonna overshadow the whole thing but good for you yeah and then pete basically says to peggy to come into his office um and i was i'm very curious if 
you found this whole scene, which we can get to as we unpack it, like creepy and or endearing. (laughs) I feel like it was almost the thing you said before about a previous episode is it upsettingly sexy or sexually upsetting? <laughs> I don't. It's both. I don't know. Although you might just be like, it's upsetting, upsetting. It's not sexy. I feel like it's mostly gross, but there's like a little bit of like, damn, you get it, Peggy. No, even I felt like there were some, what would that be? I guess like upsettingly sexy scenes going on in this or moments happening in this. So I, yeah. that's why I'm asking you because you have like yeah. an on and off thing for Pete Campbell. <sighs> Which I'm sure during season one, you're like, why did I ever admit to that? Right. It's really difficult. I, I like certain points of it. And then he talks (laughs) and then I'm, then I think, oh no, why are you saying things? The, the punishment for Peggy doing this comes so soon and so close to her orgasm. Hopefully she orgasm, but Pete wouldn't (laughs) usually wait for that. Anyway, that it, it sort of ruins it for me. I need to see the child like an hour later, not like 10 minutes later, but I do think like the hair pull and some of that stuff. I was like, all right. Well, there were, so yeah, they start, they start banging in Pete's office. The things that I found. Oh yeah. The things that I found like to be, I guess, sexually upsetting were one the door is ajar which bothers me even though they're alone in the office not quite but they're alone in the office it does Uh, it does lead to the best part of that scene where like the janitor goes by who basically pete just insulted he walks by he sees the silhouette and he has this look like fucking rich white people and he walks away it's really funny he's just he probably sees that all the time because no one ever cares that he's there so he probably knows more shit than joan but that also goes to show you that it doesn't even matter whether the door is open ajar or closed because you can see everything in shadows which is so funny (laughs) it's so funny i'm just like has no one noticed that before like it's just maybe it's the way the sun is hitting the windows of the building it's just very subtle you guys um second upsettingly sexy thing is (laughs) ripping clothes and i wrote ripping clothes is not sexy (laughs) it goes back to our previous conversation about smashing stuff in the apartment yes it is not because you're ruining stuff (laughs) i understand the haste but don't ruin the thing so like the moment you're done you have to throw it out there's also no way that that wouldn't take me out of the moment you know yeah, I would think it looked, even though I didn't like the blouse, I thought that it looked like it may have cost some money. Not a ton of money, mm-hmm. but for Peggy, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So that did upset me in the moment, thinking, are you going to pay her because you ruined her thing? No, probably not. <laughs> uh, I agree that that definitely took me out of it. Um, and then comes the part where Pete talks. <laughs> Yes, I love this dialogue, for one it's thing. so... It's such a douchebag that I have personally dated. Like, I saw so much similarities. Wait, I'm going to have to ask you about that later, but oh, we'll get to that. Oh, man. Not as extreme, but just, like, core elements. No, of I'm just like curious, like... The bratty which... male ethos <laughs> just <laughs> is in there of just being there's so many things going on in my head and you go oh it's so confusing he says i have all these things in my head i can't say and i'm like 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So- I see that you're confused. And yeah, I guess how do we interpret that? I I just feel like is that just does Pete just say shit like a thing like that to just have like <laughs> fucking fillers to make it sound She's interesting? Just making it up things- as he. These don't mean anything to me. Like, a thing like that doesn't mean anything right? to me. Right? It's just... It's just <laughs> air that's moving. Yeah, and same with I, I have all these things in my head I can't say. So does fucking everyone, you know? I feel like what he was doing there is he's trying... And Peggy... I also felt such sadness for Peggy in this moment, based on her facial expression in response to this... She says that and she says, you don't have to go through it alone. So my interpretation of this is he is trying to explain to her, I just fucked you. And I also want you to comfort me because I'm confused about if I want to stay with my wife. I think that's what's happening. And then Peggy (laughs) looks at him. And at first I thought she was disappointed when she reacts to that. And I think she turns it into being tender. And I'm curious on her part, is that a decision? She's like, I'm going to make this work no matter what. Does she actually think this is what is supposed to happen? Because she almost looks disappointed. And then she goes, no, I'm going to comfort you and say, you don't have to do this alone. And I'm going to leave. And you're going to do a little sexy whispering thing. So the very end there, oh, Peggy, are you falling for this? Oh, boy. I think we've all been there, unfortunately. We've, uh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> recognize myself in that, and that's also why it's hurtful. You're like, well, oh, no, I don't want to see it. I have a few comments on that, and then we can probably move forward from this. This was um, a loaded opening. So. It's a loaded opening for sure. Um, so one thing that Peter admits in this dialogue, too, is that he has not read Peggy's copy, which he offered to read, um, which is like kind of shitty for one thing. But I feel mm-hmm. like he just, that was like a baseless promise to like get in her pants you know yes uh, um, as you said before though it's not even his department not so even his why department did, why did oh my he gosh. offer whatever because he wrote this story about the bear which we all want to read <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna then, be bringing that up on season six we're going to say what happened oh to the yeah bear story? i cannot wait to keep talking about the bear and vodka milk you know yes absolutely. Um, and then peggy asks pete if he thinks of her and his response is <laughs> The worst thing you could ever say to a woman who just had sex with you, which oh is my God. a few times. I'll be honest, a few times, and Peggy just take it in like, oh, this is this like, is this is the scraps <laughs> from which I have to imagine a feast. I feel like <laughs> oh, saying man. no almost would have been better than a few times. Yeah. Like, Um, a sexy no, then I'll be honest a few times, thinking that that's some consolation. And then I just had two more things. So one, when Peggy says, like, you're not alone, I thought that was, like, really, really sweet. And that kind of solidified this being, like, upsettingly sexy to me. But it also felt very, like, hand-holdy to Pete, who's just like, wham, I'm married and confused because my Mm -hmm. dick wants, like, Peggy, whatever. Yeah, Um, but I want my wife to cook me dinner and and my like prime rib and ice cream or whatever (laughs) um and then i just finished this off in my notes by saying like i wish we could like cut to a scene of like peggy getting coffee at lunch and like talking to like a friend about like what's going on kind of to gauge like her moral compass because we really only see peggy from this like bird's eye view situation Mm -hmm. like we don't really get in her head about like if she feels bad that he's married if she doesn't give a shit 
I mean, like to a certain extent, it might be both of those things, but I just feel like we, like, I want to hear Peggy talk about like having sex with Pete over coffee, you know? It would be really nice to get that perspective and not just have to all interpret it all from her micro expressions on her like stubborn damn face. But, and I just feel like this just portrays her as this weird, like victim girl of like, she's like a closeted Brooklyn Catholic. And now like Manhattan is opening her up in more ways than one. (laughs) And it's like, what, like, what is she thinking? She's just like, kind of very demure and, and like really quiet throughout all of the stuff going on in the first season. I really wish. So again, spoiler alert for people who have not seen the whole show. You never get this. I wish she would have had a discussion with Pete, or not Pete, Don or Stan or someone at some point about, oh God, or Abe, um, (laughs) about, I fucking hate Abe, about this, even in like a very double meaning way, like she does about the child she will have and give away later this season. uh, I wish she had some, couple of lines that you go oh, okay that's what she was thinking like even a couple episodes like seasons later it would have been really valuable but i agree with you i'm surprised e- now but also later they don't ever touch on this again yep what like a lot thinking. of things in peggy's life and i think we get that we get more of what people are thinking just throughout this the show than peggy for sure um anyway I, did you have I anything like else your sh- to say i don't i like your chicago shirt i'm sorry i know oh, i'm breaking the <laughs> The podcasting. That's fine. I did not have anything else to say on the scene except for, I guess, good for them. And you're going to regret this very soon, Peggy. Very I, soon. I will also say, I guess there's something sexually upsetting about having like work sex. <laughs> I mean, coming if you went in early in the morning and then it was all like secret and then you had like even the rip on the blouse would be annoying. But as like this reminder, I could see that being a thing. All right. But then after it's fun then it's not fun and it's just awkward so i see it it being fun for one to three days and then going downhill yes very good so then we jump to the operators um of the office you know also another job that doesn't like really exist anymore they're just Um, in a closet which seems like a terrible job they have headphones and wires and they're transferring calls you know um so we meet Lois, I believe, and she is, you know, swooning over like the Italian conversation mm-hmm. going on between Salvatore and his mother. Which it is strange because she does not know Italian, so she does not know what's being said. She's just going, oh, Italian. But, but we yeah, know has... what they're saying from the subtitles, which is mm-hmm. interesting. You know? Which is, it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute that Sal's getting called from his mom. Um, Joan walks in in my favorite outfit of this episode. This was an excellent <laughs> outfit. It was so cute. But you don't like pink. This was my color pink that was like taken back a shade. Okay. Oh, so, so what, what shade? Fabric. Okay. That's fair. That's and very fair. with the little bow and the bow in her hair. Ooh, I have a different outfit that I can choose because I thought you would choose this one. Well, but what, this was How would very you describe good. that body hugging pink dress, everything that Joan wears is body hugging, but like, how would you describe that color pink? <sighs> It also had a black belt. It it had Barbie doll vibes to me, but like a little less fuchsia. It wasn't like neon pink. It was Mm -hmm. hot pink, if that makes sense. Or even a shade below, like like between 
bubblegum pink. Exactly. Yeah. So I think great. that that's a little bit closer to my vibe. Also, her hair was very cute. It was tied back and it had the curls in the back. Mm-hmm. And she was very mad. Spoiler alert for the rest of the episode. The rest of the podcast, she's very mad. She's not the star of the show in this cute damn outfit. No, but she looks great. I'm curious, too, does she manage all the women in this op- like episode or sorry episode in this show when she has this like ambiguous like secretary of secretaries job or does she just like why was she there i don't know <laughs> I, I i got that she was asking for a favor and i thought that this was interesting she brings in i think her soft that looked delicious uh and then they the women working the operators i suppose are really happy and then she says, if Mrs. Sterling, so Roger's wife, if Roger's wife, Mrs. Sterling calls, put it through directly to me. So do me a favor. So I think she was asking a favor and also, what is going on there? Yeah. Like, what does she want to say? Like, why would you put yourself in that situation? It seems like you would want to avoid talking to her. So anyway, I thought that that was interesting, but I get the sense she manages them in a loose sense, but she also uses that to network so to speak and get a bunch of favors so she was using it to get a favor to do whatever shifty stuff she was doing with mrs sterling well so this episode's it's gonna be tricky to explain to readers because there's just like a lot of in and out a lot of lot of in and out in between yeah. scenes but yeah after really the operators the, let oh. me just say for the operators so for the listeners we're just gonna see lois and sal a couple of times because lois clearly thinks sal is really cute and we're using this to understand that sal is gay and not interested and also sort of in my mind establish lois is weird because i think the whole thing that she does is sort of weird uh we can talk about that we'll get to that but i guess like it also might be worth noting that I don't think she's seen Sal yet, and she's just basing this, like, attraction off his Italian voice, right? Yes, which is... May- maybe. Maybe. I find the idea of just basing off of someone's voice a bad idea, but also, like, kind of, not not sexy per se, but, like, kind of. But the fact that she's like, oh, Italian, it's also, like, Lois, come on. Although she... she the Spoiler alert for the listeners... She is not so smart, as we'll realize. She will return several times to fuck things up, in addition to the fact that she will run over someone's uh, foot with a lawnmower next to them. So, I love that scene. She's not, she's not like the smartest person, but you know, she's going for it. <laughs> she wants want that Italian sale. So I guess then we have like a micro scene where Don and Peggy have like a little interaction. Oh, um, I thought we were getting to Bert and Don. You're right. Yes, this is it's very quick and. Yeah. Basically, Don sees Peggy's collar, which I honestly feel like the rip on the shirt is negligible. So I'm like, Don, you don't like whatever. I just thought it was surprising. The fact that he noticed was kind of surprising. Yes. And then she just like kind of like, oh, I just like got it caught on something. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And and then she was like, oh, I have a secret. Yeah. Which that's kind (laughs) of the upsettingly sexing part. But I feel like also, how do you keep working after that happens? You know? Yeah, just go back to normal. I guess. Yeah, it does seem very weird. Well, um, now we can go to Bert's office. I just love the idea that Bert makes all the guys who enter his office, or women, everyone has to take off their shoes. It's such a power move. And I just sitting, seeing Don sit with his socks, just looking at the wall waiting, I thought, you go, Bert. You 
take everyone down a couple of inches before they go into your office by taking off their shoes. I love that. Um, although then he goes on, he gives Dom money for seemingly no reason, has a good uh, line where he says, I really appreciate your talents or something along those lines. And while it can't be pinned down, like I've attempted to quantify it and gives him a check. I think that's kind of a cool thing to do. Wait, I have um, a question about the yes. money. So yes. he gives him $2,500. Yes. Which is more than a year of Pete's salary. Absolutely. So yes. I don't understand. I just feel like something was not fleshed out properly in like Peter Campbell's salary, like writing line. I, I just, I don't believe that he only makes $35 a week, even in the sixties. It does feel, wait. E, it's no, I think it's, I think it's actually a check for 2,535. I'm not doing my math well right now, but I think it's slightly less than Pete's salary for a year. But to your point, well, it's like, uh, it's pretty close, you know? It's pretty close, so it is upsetting. And that line was strange given who he is. The fact, like, they just thought, we'll give you a job, but we're not going to give you a lot of pay. Well, if 35 times to- 52 is $1,820, so it is more than what... Damn it! Math! Okay. That's yes, why I just, I don't believe double, that. <laughs> I don't believe, I mean, I can understand that Don would make significantly more money than Pete. That makes sense to me. But I don't understand, like, $1,800, like, that does not check out for the prices of everything else that we're getting. I just, I'm, I'm it, just putting that out there. It might be I true. do agree. It's very strange. And then it it comes back to the idea that maybe he was hired, like, less than a year ago. It's still weird for who he is, but maybe he got hired to the lowest level just based on his name. I believe that. I also believe Don so, is older than Peter, has more seniority, has been with them much longer. It's still that that's a staggering. But difference. I'm like, you're gonna give a bonus that's more than someone's yearly salary? It just feels like odd to me. It definitely feels strange. It it still feels strange, but it's less strange if you think about the fact that next episode, it's just such a good one, shoot. Uh he, Don has headhunters swirling around him. So I viewed it this time as like a preventative, like way too strong of a preventative measure by Bert, but a preventative measure to make sure he stays. I just wanted to put that out there. We can. I agree with you, though. I agree with you. It's really weird, and also I think maybe it speaks to how inappropriate it is that Don Pete keeps talking to Don because if Mm. he's making that much as a bonus, there's a mismatch there. Like that is not the right level yes uh so pete is overstepping um and then to go back to the scene bert offers don ayn rand and he offers atlas shrugged for yeah which is an ayn rand novel have you Um, ever read atlas no i feel like i had a crush on someone in college whose favorite book was atlas shrugged which is probably like not like a good quality (laughs) let me say that this is the one of the top books Anything by Ayn Rand, but particularly Atlas Shrugged, is one of the top books under the umbrella of the question. If you went to a first date and someone told you it was their <laughs> favorite book, you'd get up and leave. And everyone's like, there you Atlas go. Shrugged. Yeah. I knew someone, like, we weren't, like, together or Wait, anything. Wait, have you we read were, it? He was a friend. I remember reading it. I okay. was given it, to, given it by a friend who was a guy. Um... 
I think it was like 16. And then I brought it home and I read part of it. So first of all, not, oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Always get it mixed up. I read The Fountainhead. Oh, yeah. Equally disturbing book. Yes. Um, I'm sure. I My mom caught me reading The Fountainhead and said, who gave it to you? Found out it was my friend and said, stay away from me. <laughs> so I think that also speaks to Ayn I love Rand. that. There, there was, in The Fountainhead, there's just, if it's the book I'm remembering, there's just like a rape scene where like the lady thinks she likes it at the end in the middle of the book. And I was 16 thinking, all right, well... <laughs> I'm confused. So anyway, well, virtual my, selfishness, though, and that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, my very short spark notes of Atlas Shrugged is it's a dystopian capitalist manifesto. That makes sense. There so was that makes a, sense in this. <laughs> it makes sense in the context. And they, they there was like an architect in, I think, the Fountainhead. Um, and there was a lot of capitalist themes in that that went... Yeah. Mostly over my head as 16. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of so, capitalism. I believe that's like synonymous with Anne Rand. Yeah. But um, what I, I love do like, is... Yeah, I uh, like what Bert says here. I was interested in it. Like, I hate... I don't feel like I like Ayn Rand, but how Bert sells it, how I thought, all right, Well, I'm interested. I love that he doesn't even lend on the copy. He's like, take $2 out of this like bonus and buy yourself a copy, which is also a big power move, you know? That's a great point. I didn't think about that. That is weird. Um, Bert says when he's like talking about the book and his like how Don has been at the company says something like, you know, you remind me a lot of myself. And Don says something that I thought was super dickish. And he's just like, I assume that's flattering. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I, I liked it. It was kind of dickish, but also Bert was a little bit going off. Like he was... He was taking a very long time to get to his point, so Don was confused and just thought, okay, what's happening here? I assume this is... So I get that it was a dick move, but I kind of liked it. It made me laugh. <laughs> Did you have anything else in this scene you wanted to point out? No. I I just... Uh, the One of the good Bert scenes of There's Bert just lording, yeah. lording over Don. Um, All right. Oh God, this next scene is rough. Um, so <laughs> rough in the cringy sense, but yes, Lois goes to the art department and says, "Like oh, I'm such a featherhead, I'm lost." Like as though it's like not very pointed that she made it, you know, an attempt to go to the art department to see Sal. Which again, yes. I'm sorry if I'm like forgetting this, but. I feel like this is the first time she sees him because she's all like, like they, they all introduce themselves to her, but seemingly like you wouldn't just have a crush on someone's voice who just happens to be Italian. So all of this is very like, she's just peeking in to see who the Italian man is. Well, I mean, I've listened to, (laughs) it's going to be so weird. I've listened to a lot of podcasts and sometimes you develop crushes on people's voices. (laughs) They could be happening with us right now. And certain people are like, who Who are these ladies? (laughs) And they'll see our pictures go, oh. <laughs> Maybe somebody doesn't have a crush on me, but they have a crush on my cold pitch, you know? <laughs> oh, they'll just be like, damn, when is she coming back? Oh, my God. So weird. Yeah. But this is kind of aggressive of Lois. I was impressed, but also thinking this is a little bit... Okay, I am on weird. board with what she's doing. We've all done creepy things for our crushes. But where I'm not on board is, like, after she, like, makes it a point to be like, I'm lost, I'm a featherhead, hello, everybody, I'm Lois... She says she leaves 
and is like chow chow, which is what that she is hears. The moment. She hears Sal say to his mom, and I literally wrote, "Oh my fucking god, Lois, that is way too strong." You basically admitted that you listened to his entire phone call and he was dropped without knowing what it was. It listened to the end, and then <laughs> also. <laughs> I guess people know what chow means, but it just makes me laugh because she doesn't know what chow chow means. That she's just saying Ugh. it to him and it could mean anything. So it's rough, but it's that was rough. Very I, uncomfortable. I was also uncomfortable. And also this is just like a little peek, aside from the that creepiness, a little peek into the nerdiness of the art department. That Yeah, which was fun. And I also feel like we learned that like girls always like t- talk to Sal because he's handsome, but I'm also like because he's also non-threatening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He seems debonair. Yes, which is different than anyone else in the office. Yeah, the aggression aspect. So after Lois creeps on Sal, we move to Pete and Trudy. And Trudy pops in on him, given that it's move-in day. It's a big day. And Pete is just not having it. He's feeling the guilt. He's really bad at cheating, given how often he will do it, because he just is overcome with guilt. He hears that Trudy is in the office, and I find this very funny, hides his whiskey in his drawer. <laughs> Why? Uh, and then proceeds to uh, basically basically lambast her, and then blame her for him being pissy. So it's a very upsetting scene. I mean, Trudy like popped in on Pete unexpected in a couple episodes prior. And I feel like his attitude is like, haven't we established like not to show up at my work, which is rude because every time she's done that, it's been very well intended. Um, I don't have too much more to say other than what you said about this like micro scene. But what disturbed me the most, which is something I haven't seen before, is for no reason like maybe he flips so he flips the couch cushion and i'm like are you hiding like a cum stain i don't know what is going on yeah if you are how did you not flip it like if a client comes in there that you just don't want like, them to sit in the cum stain that just felt really weird to me and it kind of gave me vibes from the episode a couple episodes ago when like Roger's hitting on Betty and then Don just like assumes what's going on, even though he didn't see anything. This feels like, oh, like to the reader, I have to have Pete or to the reader, sorry, writer things to the viewer. I have to have Pete flip the cushion. So we are reminded that like he just had sex on it. It was a little bit weird and illogical of a reaction and if she would have seen a stain, she wouldn't just imagine it was a sex stain. Like that's not a reasonable thing to expect. Yeah, and that I think was you a could weird, pull the weird thing to just happen. But it, I guess it. Even though he's cheated once with Peggy before, it goes back to the idea probably that Pete does not really have games, so he's not really used to doing this. Even though he's he can in roads with Peggy or Peggy. He doesn't really do this this often, so he's really bad at it. And to me, like flipping the couch cushion even is both kind of weird writing, but if he really did it, that's stupid. That will draw more attention. So he's bad at this. Yeah. This is like it's, not a good episode to conceal your cheating. If Joan wants to talk to Mona on the phone and Peter's going to flip a, a, like it, a couch cushion, it's just, it's just coming out all over the place. 
well, and then we get to yes, the Bell Jolie Peggy's copy. It's yes. so exciting. Baby's first copy. Um, I know. So they're in a meeting with the clients for Bell Jolie, the lipstick, um, and the slogan they came up with was "Mark Your Man." Um, I liked this a lot. This was great. It was a great I, campaign. I like um, that they used the basket of kisses in the the opening pitch. Um, they say not one of hundred in the box later on. So mm-hmm. they use what Peggy said throughout in the argument, and you could really see her in all of it and why it was successful. In addition to Don's little temper tantrum, which she's going to have in a second. Yeah, and I think I mean we can probably jump to that because I feel like well the one thing I didn't like that felt really patronizing was the client. Because the client didn't love it because each poster that Sal came up with was, like, one shade, which goes back to, like, I'm not 100 mm-hmm. in a box. Like, every woman has their own shade to, like, quote-unquote mark her man. Um, but the guy, the client is, like, women like colors. And I just felt like that was really patronizing. It was very... You mean in a sense towards ladies or in general? Yes, all women kind. <laughs> well, yeah, we like shiny colors because yeah, we I just, just was like, okay, very base creatures. But he just wanted like like a thousand lipstick Four shades basic. on like yeah. a poster just to like get women's attention. Feels very much like like treating women like dogs. Whatever the six the sixties. It does speak to the idea of like a client getting very fixated on something they did like some market research or something oh, like yeah. two years ago and getting really fixated on that not evolving that well, felt very real for who this guy is even though it was annoying so i'm curious of like what you think of don's behavior in the latter half of this scene because he gets really aggressive to the client and he's like because the client's being contrarian he's to the getting idea cute He's getting cute. Don't well, get he's like, cute, Don. yeah, and he's like, oh my god, I love that. And uh, Don says, like, let us not waste your time. And I felt like this must be a result of feeling boosted from Bert's raise. Like, that's interesting. I didn't think about that, but yeah. Well, that I'm makes curious sense. how you interpret all of this because I'm just like, is aggression or denial of someone's like original idea ever? a good way to convince someone otherwise. It's not. We did see him actually do that with the don't get cute with the pad of butter, but he had more of a point there. It is actually interesting. I didn't think about it that way, but because Don does this so many times throughout the series, but this may be the most egregious time we've seen it. And it does seemingly come out of nowhere. So I think you're right. It probably well, is I a little bit like, of a boost. He goes feel way like, off. Yeah, he goes off. And, like, I just feel like if he didn't get that money, he wouldn't feel, like, untouchable. I agree with you. Because he goes really far. He says things that are not only pushing the client and v- very far to the edge that don't make sense. I, I personally <laughs> thought it was funny. There's a certain point where uh, Don says this isn't kabuki and the guy says the client says i don't know what that means and i said i get you client i don't know what that means either what does that mean do you know well i'm assuming that refers to like kabuki theater which i feel like you would have more knowledge about than me like maybe like so this but why is that relevant here well kabuki theater is like where they paint their faces right 
Oh. So oh, would that, that be referring sense. to like the makeup quality? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe. It did seem, I guess the Jesus thing also came out of nowhere, but that I, are you just saying that to seem smart? Because that's, that's, the connection is thin. If there is a connection, it's thin. Unless uh, that's like a phrase totally outside of like what I'm thinking of as Kabuki, but. It it was strange. And then he, Don says just the wildest shit. He says, I'm not here to tell you about Jesus. He either lives in your heart or he doesn't. Yeah, what? Like, where did that come from? Also, what does that mean? Also, like, what I, does that I, have I to kinda, do with the lipstick campaign? I kind of get it, but I also don't get it. I so don't get that at all. Yeah, I thought that was um, And then he gets back on track and says, like, you've, I love the speech he gives afterwards. So... The Jesus part and the Kabuki part. Let's just edit that out. Quick edit. And then the rest of it is good. Um, I like that he says she marks her man with her lips. He is her possession. And I love Peggy definitely wrote that. He is her possession. You go. Flipping the script on the genders there. Uh, A gift of total ownership, too. Yeah, or the sex. Uh, Yes. Yes. And then the gift of total ownership. It's so good. And then... They leave the office. It seems like the guy has bought it. He says, I think you were right on this. And then Don says, we'll never know. The guy goes, okay. On his face goes, why did you come at me so hard if you don't know this is right? He says, this is a science. We're not going to know. Bye. I know. He's such an ass. He's such a jerk. <laughs> like how I guess some people like being told what to do. So maybe that could be where this client says yes. But I just feel like if somebody talked to me like that, I would be completely like, I want nothing to do with you, even though the campaign is really good. But that's Peggy's doing, not Don's. Yeah, um, for sure. So, and then Peggy yeah. gets her little celebration. Well, before that, Don is all like, Peggy, ice, which is like, ugh, like, of course you're barking at her to get ice, which is very, like, not, it's beneath her, even though she's yes. a secretary. We all know Peggy's better than getting ice for men. Mm-hmm. Um, in this scene, yeah, they start celebrating. Peggy comes in to, I think they're in Don's office. And I was pissed at Sal in this scene. He was so condescending to Peggy, like, the whole time. And I like Sal. I think he's a great character. Did I not notice this? Oh, my God. He's so rude to her, like, the whole time. He's just treating her like like a, like a patting her on the head like a little girl attitude. And I, I was not here for it. Um, Ew. Yeah. yeah. Don actually did, was decently nice to her, other than barking at her for ice. Well, I like they, that like, he started. her. You know, they, like, get her to have a drink with them. This felt kind of weird, too, because, like, she takes a sip and then they kind of, like, coax her to, like, chug it as if she's, like, at a college frat house party. It was a little bit weird. I would be uncomfortable if I were in that position. But it does remind me, the part right after that reminds me of a time. I always just remember my mom's reactions throughout this whole thing. Um, So I remember when I first saw it, the line where Peggy says, I thought it was going to be, it's the mark you make on your man strong edit by the writing department i agree that's too long mark your man's better sorry peggy and then they say you might be a writer she's fresh as the dripping snow um peggy you may be a writer really you're arrogant enough and everyone laughs 
do you want under the ring? She says, I don't know. And they say, not a writer. And they all laugh. I, love and I remember that. That's like my favorite line from this episode. I You like it too. So it's a yeah. writing line because my mom laughed really hard at that line. I remember. And I was like, oh, okay. It I don't also get makes it, me but... think about um, a study I read where if you're trying to do something creative, i.e. writing, mm-hmm. you're more creative on alcohol, but you're less productive. And on coffee or like energy drinks, you're more productive, but you're less creative. That's really interesting. It's like brain science. So that should like get you all lit up. (laughs) First experientially, that does make sense where I can crank out stuff. I need to crank out in the morning, but usually I have to be a little bit in pain of being tired to make something that's actually good. (laughs) I can get boring stuff done in the morning with coffee. Well, one I, way that I'd assume weed is the best of both worlds. <laughs> well, obviously, no. no. But, <laughs> um, Peggy, this is like one nugget of like Sal being condescending, but she wants to keep the art, and Sal is just like, no, <laughs> like just. Which I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you gonna do anything with it? Like, just give it to her, you know? That's rude. Just let her hang it up. Although it was very rude. At does make sense that she couldn't keep it because it's technically the client's property. So I do understand him that he shouldn't have been crappy about it, but there's no way she could have brought it home. Whatever. He he said some other snarky lines. I just, I didn't like, they were all kind of, I don't know, treating her like a show thing instead of like a person. Hashtag they the were. 60s. I'm, I'm not condoning it. It's just like how it was, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Agree. Uh, in then- the next scene, uh, Lois is like, we get like a dash of communism fear because <laughs> Lois is signing up for the bowling league and this like other operator is like, you can't do that. Like they keep track of everything here, which is like, calm down. It's a piece of paper. It, it was so weird. And watching it this time, it felt very brunch. Um, This time watching this, Lois was not joining the bowling team. I'm sorry. She was not joining the bowling team unless she thought Sal was there. Sal would ever go to the damn bowling team. He's too debonair for that. Uh, No, I can't imagine anyone at Sterling Cooper going to the damn bowling team. So it's just weird that they have one. I understand that they, the contrast of bowling team and communism was supposed to be funny, but I don't know. The fact that it was bowling team just really weirded me out this time because they wouldn't do that. They're admin. They do something like go to a strip club, which is upsetting. But I don't know. They would I do feel something like the different. operator women would be the whole bowling team. <laughs> yes, they would go and kind of talk. No, they wouldn't because the wrist would be hurt. Oh, so they wouldn't want to do good that. Point. <laughs> but anyway, I'm this fixating way too much because the centerpiece of the scene is yes. Joan being jelly. Oh yeah, because Peggy's sharing the news and Joe is a bee about it. Yes, she's not the center of attention anymore. And this is where I wrote Joan's outfit equals best, but it will be second best for me. I will get to the best of mine later. Um, so word gets around about Peggy. Paul says to her, fuck Paul, but he's like, I hear you're quite the scribe. <laughs> quite the little scribe. And you're like, thanks, man. And then everybody realizes that like Don, Roger, and Bert are oh, oh, oh. And everyone is like, it is party time. It they is party time. Here. And um, Peggy's late in that party. You go. I, one thing I noticed in this scene is that Pete does this big swagger of like, my wife came to like celebrate me moving, but like I put her in her place and then repurposes her champagne for the boys. Wow. What a jerk. Uh, we know this, but also, it really okay, was upsetting. This bugs me so much. <laughs> the Peggy skip. 
Oh, I love the Peggy skip. I hate the Peggy skip because it's a little bit shorthand. Who skips? Who skips ever? When is it ever appropriate to skip unless you're like a child or doing like a workout aerobics video? Okay, this goes to like another tangent. So you've never skipped. That is that is no. I have skipped. Everyone has skipped. I've been a child. You know. Have you skipped in a work setting? No. If you get a success in a work setting, how do you celebrate? Do you do the fist pump in private? Do you go, yeah. Like, how do you do it? Do you keep, just keep it inside? It was, and then you I don't someone? think there's any, like, physical movement about it, you know? Okay, then I understand this because I haven't <laughs> skipped, but I've definitely fist pumped, like, in the vicinity of other people, which is weird and gross. Like, but I I've, mean, de- yeah. like, I've definitely done that. I've definitely yelled, fuck yeah. I've definitely, like, punched the air. Okay, um, okay. I'm not upset do, about the skip but i don't like watching it from my television <laughs> it is true that it's a little bit of a shorthand for happiness where a smile would be equally yes. if not appropriate more appropriate i do mm-hmm. understand that so it was a little bit like yeah she's happy she's walking Let's i did that literally within see 10 second. a guy skipping on the street the other day but i do i think like 90 percent of the reason i think he was doing that was for exercise <laughs> that's like a non-committal jog you know because if you're real if you're really skipping like your knees are up in the air like not a peggy skip you're working out skip equals jog i'm so confused no i'm saying like i think like there are aerobics videos where they tell you to skip like how you might see somebody on a treadmill that feels very inside for some reason yeah yes Yes. it's aerobics, but like but fair enough someone someone might be still doing it anyway well, the next Our scene is very tangent. Yeah, <laughs> the next scene time. is very short, and it's I just wrote Lois is thirsty. That's all I wrote. She is. I thought this was like. Do you think this is game or like again crossing the line? Because I, for some reason, this time thought it was a little bit crossing the line, but like also ladies are doing it. No, I well think I totally understand what Lois is doing because I have done creepy shit where you like coerce someone to come to a group thing, mm. even though you don't want anyone in the group to be there, but just the person you ask. This is why I, I get it. This I this don't me, do this. I'm like, you come to me. I'm lazy and I'm no, I like have paper whole, thin. Yeah. <laughs> like her trying to coerce Sal to come out to celebrate Peggy. I felt like like, it was a much better flirtation move than showing up at the art department. But I guess she needed to show up at the art department in order to ask him to show up to Peggy's. But I felt like she she needs to assess if he's not. He's not ugly. I just realized it's not. Is it called the voice? It's not called the voice. What is that dating show where you don't see the person until you get the mask? No, the mask is the singing show. The mask singer. Yeah. No, oh. the other one where it's the oh. dating show where you're in two hotel rooms and you only could talk on the phone. Oh, Love is Blind? Love is Blind. So she doesn't yes. want it to be Love is Blind. So anyway, that was a long walk for that joke. But I guess she doesn't want it to be like that. So she's also checking him out in addition to making it slightly less creepy. He's. It's interesting that she she's really happy and he hangs up and goes, oh shit, this is a real thing. It's not just a flirt and go away. I got to make a decision go or don't go and he does not go because he didn't like lois so information for the audience um then don because he's ooo is going to midge um interesting choice yeah and all these hippies are there and he's just like we're going to paris with my bonus money and i wrote like don't you want to pay off what you gave adam like a few episodes ago 
That is really good point because that was about the amount. It was, I think it was like 3,000. No, I feel like he gave Adam 5,000. So this would be half of that. But, but like, still, you're on your way. You know? So I whatever. Also thought, I just thought, I just am questioning a lot of the money, like writing in this. That's all. Agree. I also wrote down, would Don ever want to go to Paris? Oh, yeah. It feels very, like, Don, I guess to me, I don't feel like he's doing it because he thinks that this is a flamboyant, like, I'm rich move. I don't think he'd really enjoy going to Paris with Midge. It's just such a weird idea for him to be like, we're going to go to romantic Paris. What? With Midge know. specifically, like it's weird, or just the Going fact to that Paris. it's Paris. It is Why? Just, it's like the most romantic. Because it like, is, but Don's not a romantic guy. Is my point. It's it's more he's doing something he thinks he should do instead of wanting to go himself. Uh, right? I, guess, I don't know. Which I he get, want I, to go to Paris. I guess I didn't question that because to me, just Paris seems like New York in this era, but in Europe. So it would be easier to like conceal the cheating, and you could just yeah. like, be together all day. But it that's is true. That's a good point. Like Don is not romantic. He often just does what he thinks he's supposed to. And maybe he thinks he's supposed to do this with the girl he's banging. So um, Midge does not like being told what to do, which I mm-hmm. kind of loved. Um, she's with all these hippies and they're going to get high and listen to miles, which I thought was a great line. Um, yeah. She's also like telling the hippies in her house, like, you know, I need to leave the village for a decent screw. And I wish I knew New York well enough in the 60s to understand that but i i think it's a great line it is a good um, line i want to just break in and say my second favorite outfit is midges i think it's very cute with a little crop top that's like mm-hmm. kind of like bohemian and has like the red and the blue and she has a skirt and her hair looks really good her yeah. hair's not like that weird bob that's like aggressively 60s it's kind of longer um which i don't know if it's like not a wig or she's supposed to be time has passed, but I thought she looked very cute. And also that dude, Roy looks very attractive. So it looked like a beautiful couple in this whole. Well, to your point too, I was thinking a lot about how like Midge is like talking the talk, being like a hippie in the village, but she's not like walking the walk because she has this huge ass place, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like, I don't know. It bugs me. And I'm curious. Well, we do know what happens to her later. She gets on heroin, which is bad, but, um, Yeah. Just kidding. Everyone listening to this has been, consider yourself spoiled. Consider yourself spoiled, you guys. We can probably go back and put like a disclaimer at the beginning if we need to. Um, We know she's going to do that, but I'm curious what she does immediately after this, because this is going to be the end of Don and Midge for like several seasons. So I'm curious, does she go in the village right afterwards with this guy, Roy? Does she kind of like give up her big apartment? She's still like in between worlds. Wait, I thought they were in the village. Or she does she move in with the like does she leave oh, her big yeah. apartment? Yes. Um, does she go to more modest and more true quote unquote lifestyle? Where she like still kind of on the edge of like I'm going to like screw people and like who are rich and then have all this stuff and then also be a hippie or whatever. Listen yeah. to us. So they smoke pot, which is great. And I wrote what I wouldn't give to get high with John. <laughs> it would be he would be fun. He'd be yeah. a lot of fun. Not Don, Don Draper, but John Hamm. John would be fascinating and it's such a bummer. He's just such a bummer to hang out with, but John Hamm would be a lot of fun. Well, have you, like, I, I'm sure we all have looked in a mirror when you're high. It's weird. And it's a great way to, like, no. jump off. You haven't? I have, but I always purposely try not to do it because I know I'll freak myself out. Well, I probably should try at some point. 
I mean, don't look too long, but that's like, you'll, you'll go into a flashback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Which is no. what happens. So we My go into this upbringing. flashback um, to the Depression era. Um, we meet Don's family again because there have been other flashbacks, but this is like the most immersive flashback, I would say, that we've seen so far. Agreed. Um, the parents make it a point to say that they're or like I guess his dad says that like they're not a Christian household, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if that was some like loose callback to the whole Jesus thing that you were talking about in the client meeting. Maybe that's like me hmm. making a stretch. That's interesting. But I, maybe it's kind of I guess it would make sense that Don would be know about that side of like more religious side of life, but also not believe it. So that kind of makes sense. It just that that like you call on it when he them needs to. calling out that they're not a Christian family makes me feel like there's some loose connection there because clearly like this family is going through a lot during the depression. So they've probably lost like quote unquote faith in their mm. Christianity. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. He said not anymore. That. So yeah. that does make sense. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And man, the dad is bitter. Bitter? He's bitter. <laughs> I don't know why he said it weird. He's bitter. Uh, then it, anyway, so let's forward past that. Then we go to the dinner table. And I love this because it's... Well, they meet They meet a guy. They meet the hobo. Oh, that's right. right. I, you didn't introduce that. So we meet the hobo who's sass for work. Um, the dad's he like, says ah, he's from, fuck off. He says he's from New York. He says he's from New York. I'm not quite sure where these flashbacks happen. He said, I, he's either in Pennsylvania, he grew up in, no, he's in Illinois, I think actually right now. And then he goes to Pennsylvania later because he grows up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, I think. Don does? Yeah. So like the he's big an Illinois boy. I think he said, Went to, we went to Pennsylvania by way of Illinois. He says that. Okay, okay. That checks. I felt like they were, yeah. So they're that, that mid- sounds right. Yeah. I would say Midwestern. And anyway, I'll get to that. But they meet um, this man who asked for work. And the dad's like, fuck off. And th- we're not Christians, meh. And then the mom says, that's not true. Yeah, We'll give you some work. I'll wash your clothes and you can eat here tonight, which is nice. And then it goes to... The, the dinner table and i just love that the the dad's like you know those new york people are pansy asses like immediately and it's just like the midwest versus new york hate is strong in the 30s or the, the late 20s i suppose um it's just that's just very funny to me oh yeah um there's a lot of echoes of the fear of communism here they talk about it a while and the only other part i had is i even though it doesn't mean a lot to me i always really liked the mom's quote about the horseshoe that life's like a horseshoe it's fat in the middle open on both ends and hard all the way through i always remember that i don't ever I like use that it, but i, I like that it. also is a callback to the prior episode when don wins the award and the horseshoe falls down Our i am just through. catching on the symbolism <laughs> yeah it's just like threaded throughout we're just seeing it we're seeing um, it i the only thing i wrote uh, otherwise was that it's just this setting and the whole scene is just like huge contrast to the rest of the show mm-hmm. and the environment that we mainly spend our time in i agree i kind of want it leaves me wanting more i i honestly wanted like three more scenes with this i thought it was interesting we get some micro scenes but we um, do 
Then we have a fast cut to Sal at a bar. It's not the bar where everybody's celebrating Peggy. Um, and he sees one of the clients for Belle Jolie. And there's like, I felt like the tension was mild in this, but there's tension, I guess. It's mild tension, but like, there's cute. Rev the up. flirting's cute. It's not yeah. like, it's not Pete and Peggy level. We're at like last episode where they're talking about the gun. You're like, what's happening here? But it is... It's cute. You can see I they're hitting like it I, off. I did. I feel like I, when I first watched this as a youngin, was not like savvy enough to s- see what was going on right away. It doesn't. I agree, and it doesn't seem when like everything's they have, so like heavy-handed. Otherwise, this is like not heavy-handed. I don't know if that's supposed to be because Sal is guarded, which they establish in the next scene, or because. They kind I guess they do have a connection because later they show them having like espresso. So clearly they had a whole dinner together and they enjoyed it. But it is true that it seems a little bit less like they wouldn't start a relationship. They, well, would they start sex. with, I guess like the, the main tension is like they're drinking and then the guy, the client is like, I need food in my stomach if we're going to talk more. So that's kind of like a move of like, come eat dinner with me, you mm-hmm. know? Um, then we go out where everybody's out to celebrate Peggy kind of, and like just be f- having fun with the, out the bosses and a the office. Very, it's like three yeah. o'clock, you know, something like that. A very, it's Peggy's party. It doesn't look like a very fun party. I may say, but maybe because they start in the choo choo cha cha, just, just such a, Ugh. what a song. Um, and Joan is also kind of ruining it by saying, I'm not saying Peggy doesn't have something going upstairs, but at Sherlock Cooper, usually things are going on downstairs, oh! which I, I thought that was a good line to be say, you know, Peggy's smart, but usually it's about sex. That's oh. what I read it as. And I thought Joan was straight to the point and Lois is a little surprised. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Lois is like kind of annoying in this scene. And she's just like sad that Sal's not there, which is fair. She's always kind of annoying. Cause Sal poor, said he was going to go, which is also kind of shitty. It's rude. He probably did. And well, I don't know if he intended to go. Maybe he thought, you know, I'm going to have to reject her. And then that's instead of being a person of mystery who gets what he needs outside of the office, it'll be on the record. I rejected all these ladies. I don't know if that was happening or he intended to go and then got roped into the dinner and thought, you know, kind of attracted to this guy. I'll go. Well, Joan dances with Paul. Paul is not worthy of Joan. And no, she looks so fucking cute doing the she twist. She does the twist perfectly. She really does. She's uh, all like demure. Yeah. And then we have Broody Pete. <laughs> oh my and God. Peggy is like awkwardly like, but also very like flirtatiously like making her way to pete doing the twist because everybody loses Uh their shit when the twist comes on which is Mm kind of cute yeah and pete says i don't or peggy says like dance with me and pete says i don't like you like this and i I wrote go eat a dick pete (laughs) yes absolutely i this is a line that i remembered that even makes it even stronger from the beginning i have known i don't like you like this people i have dated i don't like you like this people and it is a very good encapsulation of people who like you when they are one up. Mm-hmm. They don't like you and you're confident and you're equal to them uh, or b- above them, if we're being honest. So I thought this was really sad. And it's really sad. We see at the end, Peggy twisting kind of low energy and crying and trying to pretend like she's not crying. And we've all also had that moment where we, it's just, 
reel it in. We're in public, but just fuck yeah, her. Room, I, I, I feel like Peggy feels like on the top of the world because she like boned at 7 a.m. in the office. And, it's a good day. <laughs> and she got her copy used. But like I just wrote, it's not Peggy's world, even if she has BDE going on. Oh, oh, that's so it's sad. sad. It's that's very sad. It's really true, but it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we're back with the client and Sal, and the client asked Sal about like happiness, which I thought was interesting and kind of like a thread of the show throughout. Like, what is happiness? Yeah. Um, and he says health and wealth, then you'll have happiness. And the guy said, you know, you have it. Are you happy? And he said, no. I agree. That's basically hitting the nail on the head right there. He also said something like, I would like copy to follow art, which I thought was a really beautiful line instead of like art following copy. So essentially like um, he would come up with something and then they would have to come up with copy instead of the other way around. And I felt like that was, I don't know, just kind of a lovely like power play on the different departments. Yeah. And really thinking about, I definitely agree here. And thinking about the uh, what Sal has to do, he has to take up some copy that someone made up and say, you know, there's not a good visual that goes with this, and then he's stuck. Yep. And that does seem like it would be frustrating. So and maybe I, he I, he had like artistic ambitions to like be a painter and like paint at your own like creative whims, but this way he's always being dictated on what to create which i thought was yeah. interesting it would which be really is kind of like his yeah. life i guess because mm-hmm. he's not able to be uninhibited for being homosexual it, um, it's it is a very sad scene and i love when he gets he gets basically i don't want to say proposition that feels a little bit unfair but he basically gets asked by the guy do you want to come back the guy he's having dinner very with, subtle to too i just can't even imagine like having that conversation and like being a hundred percent like that the ask is to like hook up essentially. Yes, I feel like there'd be a certain chance you go look at a view and then okay, let's go home. I also wrote classic finger swipe along the Sambuca, because that's what the guy does, which is like the biggest move in the scene. Oh yeah. And it's funny because a couple weeks ago I tried this is another alcohol tangent, but I tried Ozu for the first time, which is essentially like the Greek version of Sambuca. Mm. And my parents were telling me like Sambuca used to be served with three espresso beans. And I didn't believe them because I've always seen Sambuca taken as a shot. And then there were three I was, espresso beans. I in was Sambuca. going to ask you about that. I found that yes. so interesting. It's, I think it's a little old school because I feel like people just take Sambuca shots, but it's probably meant to be sipped. It's a Digestive, I think, which is a drink you drink after eating. Mm. Um, though I think they're drinking it before eating. So maybe it's an aperitif. I took it to mean that they had eaten the whole meal and then they were having like the nightcap. Then or it would whatever. be a digestive. And then I'm like, I just, I find this, I don't know what the espresso beans do, but I guess it was always served with uh, espresso beans. That was what he said, though. He said, um, they're supposed to what represent. Oh, he says that right, health, right, right. wealth, and happiness. So those are the three beans I think that are in the drink, which but makes just, me really want to have it old school now. I'm just curious if like that does anything. I guess I meant like if it does anything to the flavor. the flavor. Yeah, yeah. I would be really interested in having. I love coffee, so um, and basically, um, like Sal freaks out, and then the scene is like done. I think the last thing I would say on this is I just think it's really good. I love. Like, it's very sad to see Sal so not able to be uninhibited, so having to be in the closet. 
um, and not feeling he has the freedom to be himself. And I love the part where the guy who the guy who he's eating with, because his name's Elliot, is sitting across from him and saying, you know, I'll teach you things. I know what you're thinking, trying to get him to come back. And then at a certain point he says, what are you scared of? And Selka goes, are you joking? And I just love that part mm-hmm. where, what are you scared of? And he says, are you kidding? Do you not see this whole world out here that is not built for us and will uh-huh. literally reject us? And I just thought that was really interesting, the two sides of that coin. And I'm curious why, I mean, it's an individual choice, but also what in his life made this guy, Elliot, feel free? Mm. To feel like he was safe and Sal feel like he wasn't safe. So after the scene with Sal and the client, um, we're back with the hippies and they're doing the bunny hop. And the cops, like, allegedly arrive on site for reasons we don't really know. And we don't know if it's, like, them or somebody else or whatever. Um, I think they said it was domestic violence across the, the, but they weren't sure. Yeah. So and they just I guess, know it's, it's nerve wracking because the cops are around and it's super illegal at this point. Yeah. And they kind of like, I feel like they portray the village where they are like to just be not the nicest neighborhood essentially, which is why yeah. Don is like sticking out like a sore thumb. Cause he's like this polished businessman with all these hippies. Anyway, there's another flashback and uh, I loved this and I found so much in it that echoes throughout the series that I never noticed before. Mm, I love that. Well, I just, I think it's a cool character that I wish we would have seen again. This hobo. Yeah. The hobo is great. Don's talking to him. Um, and he has like a piece of chalk. The hobo does. And he explains to Don, like whenever, you know, a, a, guy who's wandering around like we have this code um that we there's like four symbols he goes through that somebody will put on the house Mm -hmm. um i felt so i don't know if you've seen there's like a family guy clip where (laughs) peter is like it's like that moment when you're watching a movie and you understand the title and i was like the hobo (laughs) code you know it's a code exactly it's a code for hobos i get it now yeah for Um, sure anyway yeah love that i is this a real thing? Is there a real hobo code? I don't know. I didn't look that I, up. I, I, I did spend, I meant to say this so earlier that I spent like a really long time on Reddit, like reading why, like people's theories of why Burt Cooper loves Japan because mm-hmm. like he was likely around during world war two and Roger was, but Roger hates like all the world war two, um, yeah. access powers, you know? Um, but anyway, hmm. I did not look up the chalk. Anyway, and, I'll look that up. You'll drink the vodka milk and I'll look that up in a future time. Um, I thought this was really interesting because before showing the code, the hobo shows the basically, or he tells the story of how he got to be where he's at. And he used to be in New York, seemingly like Don, but in a different era and had a mortgage and a wife and had the life that everyone wants and he hated it. And then he cast everything off. Mm-hmm. He said, like, death was around every corner. And then he travels. And then little Dick Whitman is looking at him saying, this will lodge in my brain and then explode when I'm, like, 35. <laughs> and then start the series. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, shit. that's exactly what Don does. He doesn't, he ignores this for his entire life. The guy is telling him, I had everything you're supposed to have and I was miserable. And I cast it off and I felt free. 
And that's what Don does leave in the last season. He like is slowly giving away his car and like the clothes on his back. And then he's goes to like, he gets rid of every, not everything. He still has money, but I just thought I never realized that this is the plot, what this guy does, this hobo who's telling him this is exactly what Don's going to do slowly and realize he's unhappy. Um, I also just want to know more about this backstory. Why was death looking for you every around every corner? Is that meant to be that you felt like killing yourself and you hated your life? Like, what does that mean? Or actually now I'm realizing maybe, maybe it was a lie and it wasn't a choice because it's right after the depression. Well, I was going to say, I feel like the depression made everybody very upset. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a bad time for sure. Did did he not choose this and he's just wandering around and then he's like, has this story of like, I hated it and I cast off everything. It's like, no, you lost everything. I don't know. Anyway. Well, I I also interpreted this as like, this is why Don moved to New York. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. I Whatever the reason, I think this it was interaction was very formative, very impactful. Yeah. Um, we go back to the hippies in Midge's apartment, and Don, like, kisses Midge, also has, like, been bugging her to come to Paris. And then he's, like, I think he's looking at Roy, right? And, like... He's like, oh, you guys are in love. And I'm like, he yeah. He takes a picture of them and sees yes. it and goes, yo, you guys are in love. And he gets mad. Which, it's like, that was so obvious. Like, Midge is clearly banging both of these guys, you know? Also, I understand that Don is a needy piece of shit. But since when do you care? She told you, if you even referenced it in the scene, I don't make plans and I don't make breakfast with you. So why are you getting mad that she's loving someone else? Because you're not getting that, and you don't because want that. She's not going to go to Paris with him. But why? I know. I don't know. I know it's that's true. It's a but weird it, scene. I just, I it was annoying to me, and I loved. Then after that, all of the hippies are telling him he's full of shit in all these different ways. Yeah, and, and then like, Don yeah, I love says, that they call him the ad man, and like. He's basically like, well, you guys are pretending to be vagrants or whatever, which I thought Mm -hmm. was true. And then one of the guys is like, well, you invent want. Like, you suck because you make people want things, you know, that they don't Mm -hmm. have. And I'm like, it's a job, you know? I get that. I understand why. It's funny because they're they're close. I'm trying to contrast them with, like, Hobo in the previous scene. And they have an element of something that's compelling to Don. So like they want to be free, but then the three, the way they lose him is by saying, you know, it's, there's this system and even goes on to say, there's not a system. The universe isn't different. That's not the point. I understand why they say it, but it's funny because it's so close to something that he's like really compelled to or compelled by rather. Um, and then it falls short at the end because they say, Oh, there's the system. He's like, that's bullshit. And I think the universe is indifferent. I know we haven't been doing, we talked so much on tangents. We didn't do a lot of our categories today, but I think the universe is indifferent is my favorite quote of this episode because it's just so funny when he says that it speaks to Don's sort of nihilism. And then the guy goes, Oh man, why'd you say that? And it's just awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. No, the scene, though, like, them going back and forth on, like, what Don does and how they live, it it got me, like, very... I don't know if you've ever been in, like, your own rabbit hole about, like, marketing and, like, how there's companies who are, like, actually trying to do good and then there's marketing where it's, like, they're 
presenting it as a good thing, but it's ultimately for like a profit, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just is like, oh, is everything just for money? And I felt like that was what this whole dialogue between the hippies and Don made me think about. For sure. Um, Don tries to force Midge to go to Paris. And I feel like he was trying to pull a Belle Jolie here because he was like, all right, I already one time today, like had a win because I like forced my client into liking this copy idea. So now I'm going to force Midge into this idea of Paris. And she's just like, nah. And then he's kind of like, I don't like you like this. I'm just realizing he's like, I don't like you when you're pushing back on me. And then as a power move, I'm going to make you feel like a prostitute by leaving $2,500 in your bra. Yeah. Which is you ultimately lose there. That was kind of short-sighted. I would bet Midge took that money. If he gave her that money, she, she's like, okay, dumb, dumb. Um, just dumb because he definitely could have used that to like buy Betty a vacation home. <laughs> yes. Um, and then he cares about the wife. She doesn't even uh, care. This well, episode. He leaves and they're all like, well, you can't leave. The cops are there. And he's basically showing his white privilege and is like, well, they don't care. They won't care that I'm around yeah, or whatever. I'm like this which kind totally of status. Happens. But um, also, doesn't he? I know he, it's about his status, but like, doesn't he smell like weed the moment he leaves? Oh, I know, is- right? I also like had this moment of thinking about writing like, fan fiction or something and i don't write fan fiction but i was like picturing a scene in which the cops catch don and arrest him and then he has to explain to betty like why he was at midge's apartment but that (gasps) didn't happen that could have been fun you know (laughs) really good scene really good scene i could Um, see it unfold a little bit but that did not happen um he goes home and he wakes up one of the Bobbies. Um, I did do a little research and found out that there are only three actors who play Bobby, which seems like a lot fewer than I like picture in my head. Oh, poor Bobby. I'm sorry. You're so forgettable. <laughs> the first one's cute, but they're just very forgettable. So I thought yes. there were like 10 of them. <laughs> yes. But I mean, oh, well, but there's only three, at least that I could. Find. Oh, um, sorry, Bobby. It's- so this scene is so upsetting because I, I just feel like it's Don trying to like I don't know, make up for his own shitty childhood and life. And he's just like, ask me anything to Bobby. And Bobby like just woke up. He's, he's like, I'm tired. <laughs> Which was so and, sweet, you know? <laughs> and Don's like, ask me. I'm ha- Daddy's having a spiral. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't know. Like, why do lightning bugs like light up or something? And we're just like, <laughs> and he, Don he is complies. Just like, Don is just like, I don't know. And I'd be so pissed if my dad woke me up. <laughs> exactly. To ask, like, to ask me to I ask feel him a like... question. And I ask him a question and he doesn't know the goddamn answer. And he doesn't, yeah, it's why why did we do this? And then he says, I'm I'm never, I'll never lie to you. And I'm like, your whole Which life is, is a lie, lie bro. Like <laughs> You know you just came from you know you just came. From your freaking uh, mistress's house, your side right? Piece, yeah. Your side piece's house, and probably said, "Oh, I had to work late." Also, you think that also my name is not Don Draper. That's true. <laughs> so stupid. What? It's all a lie. So I just this. I always. I'm it's like a speechless. Sad scene, honestly, I'm though. Speechless by this scene. This pisses me off and confuses me every time. I'm like. You can't actually be this delusional, Don. I what know. What did he want him to ask? Like, did he want him to out him as Dick Whitman? Like, did he want to be released from like these flashbacks that the weed was provoking? Like, I don't understand. I I also always struggle to understand this scene because the look on Don's face when he doesn't 
know the answer to why lightning bugs light up, which I feel like weirdly I could see a world where Don knows that, but anyway, maybe it's not known in science at that point. Um, because but, he threw those facts out about like Brazil a couple of yeah, ago. like about babies, like yeah, yeah about that. Then anyway, he looks kind of like ups, like upset or like down that he doesn't know the answer, and then he says, "I'll never, I don't know, but I'll never lie to you." So what did he want? Like you're saying, what did he want that interaction to be? It's just confusing. I don't know if he knew what he wanted that to be. I also felt like when Bobby asked that. Yeah, he he has like a sigh of relief almost. Like he doesn't he's like, "Oh yeah, my kid is like 4 and doesn't have like deep questions, you know?" Yeah, that's actually a good point too. I wish she'd woken up Sally. That would have been interesting. Oh, Sally would have had some questions. She's already <laughs> getting some questions in there. Uh, uh well, I, that yeah. It's just it's weird because he's lying so blatantly it doesn't have a purpose but he's not his like slick betty work facing don he's like this weird vulnerable don and he's still lying to himself which is really interesting he's like the don who like sat in front of a train for hours yes he is absolutely a scary don for sure you should not be showing that don to your kids i'm sorry Well, then there's the last part of the flashback and the hobo leaves the Whitman residence um, and the hobo codes the house. And it's the code of like a dishonest man lives here. And I was curious and maybe you already kind of answered this because the question I wrote in my notes is like, how do we interpret the hobo? Like, is it supposed to just be like transient life at play here in a world where many men feel like bound down to things um that's really what i thought mm -hmm. at least this viewing that it was representing i had everything and i was miserable and i feel a lot better once i cast that off and like stopped lying which goes to the idea's idea of dishonesty however the level the dishonesty part of the story is weird to me like the idea that he had a bad dad I get that they're sharing that. I get that they share the hobo who's a traveler. He's casting off stuff. But I don't personally understand why. Why are we fixating on dishonest, like a dishonest man and his father being a dishonest man? Like, why? I don't know. I guess because the dad clearly treats the hobo as like. I don't want you here. You're not welcome. I am not willing to share my things, you know, in order to yeah. get ahead in the world. It that's, I would argue though, that what the hobo represents for Don is a different kind of lying than the kind of this, the kind of different kind of dishonesty than the kind that the dad is, the kind that right. the dad is actually close to what he is. So I don't know if it's supposed to be like, he doesn't understand himself. Like that disconnect is weird to me. You know what I'm saying? Well, and the code is not perfect, I guess. Cause I would almost be like, the code should be like a mean man lives here instead of dishonest, you know? Yeah. I guess he did say he was going to pay him. It didn't, but yeah, it's more an unwelcoming person, not a, yeah. well, I don't know. It's it's all very, like, I feel like so heb- heavily symbolic that there's a lot to be left interpreted. I'm going to read at this. <laughs> I love that. 
Um, I will report on both of those things. And now we're coming back to what I was saying in the beginning about the sloppy ending, more so than the sloppy beginning. Mm. I guess the beginning just feels like you're hit with the 60s, you know? Mm-hmm. And this ending is like Peggy shows up in the office early. Pete isn't there. The disappointment, I'm sure, was palpable. And then the ending just like zooms in on Don Draper's door. And I don't like that. I tr- I feel like this time, I guess, the guy said, I sleep, the hobo said, I sleep like a stone. And let me first say, I get what you're saying, because my explanation that I'm just about to have, I'm doing a lot of work to interpret. So I don't know if that's what it was intended. I interpreted it this time as. Like, is it a contrast of the door? Whereas like the code is near the doors of the places that people go. And now Don Draper is like a lie and has a name on his door. I don't see. This was my disconnect because I felt like the more important thing was not the code. The important thing was the story of that guy leaving his job. So that's what I'm connecting, but you're right. The code, I don't know how the code connects to the door. Maybe. Aha. Ha ha. That was really (laughs) dumb, but lightning, maybe not lightning. I'm a dishonest man is the name. The name means he's a dishonest man. So it's the same thing. I felt very excited when yeah, I thought about no, that, this. I mean, I, I like that. It's just... <laughs> I don't know if that's what they meant, though. I felt more excited when I thought of it. Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, kind of, that's a stretch. Well, I don't know. I just felt like we're, like, in Peggy world, and I was excited to stay there, and then we just, like, zoom in on the door. <laughs> that's just, like... That is such a good encapsulation of this entire world. I really want to see it <laughs> in the ladies' world, and then we're just, like, zooming in on the men's trauma, and you're like, all right. We can go back like, here. He's compelling. Don give me gets the credit from Peggy's copy. So like she's there early and he gets the credit, you know? And he gets to go get a check and want to go to dishonest, Paris. you know? I don't, I think dishonest has to be uh, aspired to a person and not a system. And then I get what you mean, because how oh, did man. we get here from the door? I think, we're, I think door? we buried ourselves in a hole. How did we get here from just Donald Draper on a door? Well, I'm so curious, like you listeners said. Listeners can submit what they think. How about that? I also think you should ask your mom if you said this is her favorite episode. Like, Yes, I will so definitely. Maybe bring that to the table next time. I will. Maybe I'll make her watch the episode with me and I'll get new commentary. That would Ooh. be fun. Well, I will say to wrap this up that this was, I think, the most fun one to watch thus far. I agree. In season one, maybe it's minus getting its like footing. Yeah, I, maybe minus like the oyster martini situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that episode as a whole, I felt like there's been scenes in each episode I'm really grasping onto. But this whole episode, I was like, I was into it. Agree, agree. It was a really good episode, and the next one is going to be really good too. That is shoot, and that is going to be all about Betty. It's oh, going to yeah, be sad, she was, but like, it's going to be fair. It's going to be fantastic. Betty and Roger were like not in this episode. Yeah, there's like we're already bloated with like petty petty. Oh my god, is that their couple name? Peggy, Pete, and Don uh stories. So well, I am excited to chat about it next time. Till next time. <laughs>